Welcome to the Making Your Mondays Feel Like Fridays, the Irvin Lawway podcast. Your host is Leslie Peters, the guy with the girl's name, and yes, he's sticking to it. This is a podcast where we help reshift and pursue happiness and purpose by living every day with the same enthusiasm we have on Fridays at the end of the workday. Hey, welcome to another Friday and another edition of the Urban Law Show. I am with none other than my my boy. What's up, Charles? What's going on, Liz? How's everybody on this, on this Friday? <laughs> Man, it's been a heck of a week, bro. Look, bro, you say that every week. Yeah, but toothache. Look, hey, let me just. There's nothing like the pain from a toothache. Let me just That's say right. that. You know. Ooh, make a grown man cry. I, I, I had to find my way to the dentist on emergency. It was literally like this. And, you know, my dentist probably wished he didn't give me his home phone number, but I was like, either I'm coming to your house or I'm coming to the office. Where you want me to go? <laughs> that yeah, bad. Toothache would definitely make you uh, move something. You got to get there and get that done. Uh, we glad that you made it through and are able to join us today. <laughs> Absolutely, my brother. You know, I, I think the title of the show today is Believe It or Not, because obviously as we reflect over the past week, it seems like we're just getting plenty of opportunities. Uh, this, as a com- one comedian said, it, there's never been a time when we've had this much material before. <laughs> well, it's Friday, so let's let's have at it. <laughs> All right. Public, public service announcement, though. Do not inject disinfectant into your bloodstream. For all our listeners, I just want to just let that be first. Believe it or not, that will kill you. <laughs> so you may be cured, but you won't be around to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Uh, are you su- are you suggesting that that might not be the best thing to do or the healthiest thing to do? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say on record. Don't do that. Regardless <laughs> of where you heard it from, I'm telling you, do not inject yourself with disinfectant. Believe it or not, that will kill you. Why? Really? Well, look here, man. You know, when during the HIV crisis, people would always say that bleach will uh, cure HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. There's some truth to that. Um, it will, but it will kill you. Same thing here. That is not the purpose of bleach, nor is that the purpose of Lysol. Although I did see one of my uh, Facebook compadres who did a little skit and he had an IV with a Lysol can and some wipes attached to it. Uh, Only do it in jest. Um, Do not do that for real. Well, look, you know, it's been a week. It's been a week. And, and, And as we look you know, at the week. I'm going to start it off with this. We'll start off the topic with this because I know for not only ourselves, but plenty of business owners, we 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 kind of started off the week with this information. Let, let, me, um, let, me, let me just kind of share what we started off the week with. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> they quickly told us that they ran out of money. Um, <laughs> After all the hype and, you know, everybody hurrying up to get their uh, applications in and get all their documentation to back up their applications, boom, all the money is gone. So Go. talk, to people, talk to the people about from the time this came out to today. <laughs> right. 
$349 billion with a B, billion, gone in, and how long did it take? Brother, I would rather not count the number of hours that it took to spend that much money. I really, it really just makes me sick to my stomach because uh, we know that the way that money was uh, allocated, the larger companies inside of the SBI frame, SBA framework, they got the lion's share, whereas the smaller businesses are still scratching their heads saying, but I did everything right. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we are here talking about the size of companies. And you did a great job last Friday breaking it down so everybody would know, you know, 500 or less. And that can mean a lot of range as far as what's available uh, monetarily. But we've already gone through that. Tell us where we are right now, um, money-wise. What are they doing for the people? So, so as you know, we, um, there's a new bill. Uh, the Senate has passed it. Um, um, and unfortunately, I've been without the toothache. I haven't followed it as closely. I, don't, I know it's going to the House. I don't know if the House has voted yet. Um, I think that what was supposed to happen, was it yesterday or is it Tuesday of this week? But that would be the final step. But the real question is, how long is it going to take that to get in the hands of SBA where they're taking applications and funding again? So let, let's look at the real the real problem. Let's kind of take the curtain. Let's go behind the curtain for a minute and talk about what happened, how did this happen, and how do we uh, become better informed to 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 look at what's behind the curtain. So it wasn't intended for the big companies, but here's what happens. And I'm, 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 I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you a scenario. So to make this plain. So Charles, let's say you got a bill in the house, you got um, that you're about to pass, it's gonna provide relief. As an association of small businesses or franchises, I'm gonna I'm gonna lobby my association chair because remember I paid them a lot of money, right? That's right. Stay on top of this, and they're gonna lobby every representative in the House and the Senate to have some kind of special carve out, particularly for my industry, particularly if I'm in the restaurant industry or I'm in education or so. They're all doing this. Everybody is fighting to lobby out and carve out what they call a protected amount. So here's what happens. So in this, with this particular legislation, it said 500 or fewer. That's right. However, <laughs> if I there's a loophole that was in there that didn't get closed, and here's the loophole. What what it allowed companies to do, if I and I talked about this a little bit last week. If I am let's let's just a franchise owner. So I own a franchise. I have 150 franchises out across the country. Those franchises are not owned by me. They're not my business. Mm. So technically, right, I shouldn't be able to do anything on behalf of those uh, franchisees. But what happened was the parent companies were able to go in, fill out an application, isolate it per location, and that's where the loophole was. A lot of those franchises have more than 500 employees because one franchise owner may own multiple franchises. However, what they did was they said per location. Now we know there's no restaurant that has over 500 employees on the road. 
So right. that allowed them to now be eligible. So what they went in and fill out an application for is to be for each location, because they technically have 500 less employees. Mm -hmm. I'm applying on behalf of all my franchises. And that shouldn't have been allowed to happen. Number one, that's not your company. That's an independent company with a separate EIN that pay you royalty. That is not your company. They are affiliated with you, but that is not your company. And they should have had to file on their own. And if they would have filed on their own as a company, as the franchisees, they wouldn't have been able to do that per location. So that that's, that's the loophole that they get closed. So now I'm able to go in and I'm able to fill out an application per all of my locations. So if I got 150, I can fill it out for 150 locations. And now I'm at, I'm, and we know how the calculation formula work. I mean, the, the system work, it automatically calculated. So it's based on your payroll. So mm -hmm. then I take the combined payroll of all of those locations. And that's how we get awards of 20 million and 10 million and, and, and that type of thing. Now, why the bigger question now goes even deeper. Why does, why did some banks, right? Have people fill it out on day one and they didn't get funded. And I just have my own theory on that. This is Leslie's theory. This is not this is not approved science, but I'm going to give you my theory. Here's the reality. When you look at the program and until somebody showed me otherwise, I'm going to hold on to my theory. Banks are funded on the amount of loans. That, I mean, they're not just doing this out of common courtesy. There has to be something in it for them because it's Wait. a lot of man hours and a lot of labor. So you mean this is not pro bono? No, it's not pro bono. Come on now. <laughs> Because the amount of labor that you have to put in the underwriting to get that many loans through underwriting, there has to be an ROI in it for you. So if I'm a bank and I'm getting funded on a percentage of the loan value, if I got 200 loans that's applied and a lot of them are small, maybe 20,000 or less, because again, it's based on payroll. So you right. couldn't just say, I need this amount of money. It's based on your actual payroll spent. And I got... 10 loans that are multi-million dollar loans, which one do you think I'm sending in or which one do you think I'm attacking first? So you mean to tell me you wouldn't take the volume over the size? I, I would. I mean, I would, but that's just me. I'm just saying there's a possible theory out there that somebody might have taken a different approach. So in, other words, so, in, so in other words, you're saying that million dollar loan had a, had a better uh, return on investment than the $20,000 loan. That's the way my math calculates. Oh, simple math. All right. That's Leslie. So here's the thing, right? So the deeper question, and I asked this question to my back. I ain't got an answer yet, but I, I, here's my thing. I would love to know the percentage. All right. And here's my question. I suggest you guys ask your banks if you didn't make get the funding in the first round. I want to know the percentage of the loan value by loan value amount that got funded in the first round from your bank. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a, I think that's a fair question. And I think that's why we do this type of show every week is so that we can give our viewers and, and uh, our clients a different perspective. When you when you engage in that type of conversation, it makes it hard for your banker, who is your representative, to ignore you, because now you've asked a substantive question about how he's making money for the bank. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and you have a right to ask that question. And look, most of them are not going to have an answer 
because their higher ups are not really technically giving them an answer because nobody wants to disclose that. But that's really the question. The question is, I want to see, look, this is public funds. You, you say you formed me as a small business of the amount of loan applications that actually got funded in the first round by your bank from the SBA. I would like to see a breakdown by the numbers by loan value. How many that were over a million got funded? How many that were between 500,000 and 999,000 got funded and so on. I would love to see that step down because I think what we're going to find and when we look at the percentages, we're going to find that the percentages that got funded are much higher at the top end of that scale. Smaller amount of loans, bigger value, better return for the bank. Look, it's, Look, I'm not mad at the banks. I understand it's an ROI business, but I think people need to be transparent. And so the reality is every day it's the small businesses you make the bulk of your money off of. Mm -hmm. Every day they're coming in your neighborhood branches. Without the small business, a lot of your neighborhood branches wouldn't exist because let's be honest, the big businesses are not going in the neighborhood branches. Y'all got a personal banker. Y'all go to them. So... I, I've got, so my question is, if that's the case, I would love to see that percentage. So my thing is all about informing the people and making sure they understand kind of what's going on and what all the things that are in play. But this is not pro bono work from the banks. And if you will notice, if you go back to any press conference you've heard, any statement that's released from the banks, you've never seen anything in writing that says it was a pro bono effort from the banks. Well, now, about those press conferences. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, are we in infomercial territory? Yeah, I think so. And and look, we got family Jonas in. Guys, this is going to be a good one today. Now, this, this is not political, but we're going to dig into the facts. We're going to in, dig into some of the questions that are not being asked. So chime in with your questions. Uh, man, your your mom is in the house. Ebony's in the house. We got Javon, Micah in the house. So Andrea Lewis is in the house. What's up? So the reality is that's the questions most people don't think to ask because because I've been getting hit a lot. How did this happen? Yeah. And the bottom line, it was a loophole that didn't get closed that nobody thought about, and they were probably trying to rush to get it passed. And you would think common decency would have stopped it. Now here's the bigger question. Here was the process that a lot of people don't know. And, and Ebony, you're right. Ebony says I sound highly deterred. You're probably about right because I'm passionate about this because I think the marketing perception of how this has gone out did not meet reality. So when, when you look at the process, the process for, for, for these loans to get dispersed, it went through underwriting at the local banks. You notice they've kept saying it's the local banks, it's the local banks. But then the local banks had to send, once they packaged it up, they had to send it back to the SBA for approval. So hmm. here's my second question that I sent into the SBA, and I'm still waiting on the answer. Here's my second question. First of all, why would you why would you bottleneck the process and have every loan come back to the SBA when you as an SBA yourself couldn't handle the volume initially that was coming to you? So that's well, Add, add, add one more question to that. The SBA is a governmental agency. Do they lend money? They don't. So why send it back? That's my point. <laughs> you know. So, 
So now, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Now here's what you're going to hear. They're going to say we send it back to have oversight. So if that's the question and you send it back to have oversight to make sure the funds were dispersed properly, then how in the world did this happen if you're responsible for oversight? Ooh, Leslie. That's scandalous. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, you, boy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just, look, yeah. look, it, look, I think the people need to, they, they, you hearing me perturbed, you hearing realness. Well, like we are responsible real now. Owner, and you guys know what I mean. You put your life, you put all your savings, you put everything into what you do. Yeah. So, so that same passion. So here's the thing. Don't don't sell me a facade if it's not really what you want to give me. I, just be transparent with so, me. So, so what I hear you saying is not only would disinfectant not work and it might kill you, uh, ultraviolet lights don't work either. <laughs> is that what is that what I'm hearing? That's what you're hearing, brother. That's oh. what you're hearing. Look, we uh uh Man, we get we look, we we have some questions. So um well let's jump into the questions. Pop, up, pop into it. So uh this is from Andrea. Let me just well, before you do the questions. I always wanted to say this on TV. Okay, hey, mama. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so here we go. Uh first question. And he said I applied on April 2nd and heard nothing. I didn't have respect to get the funding for my business. Well, April 2nd would imply that you were in the first wave. The problem became, as Leslie laid out, um, you went to your bank, you did everything that was required. And depending on how fast your bank moved, um, they had to send it back to the SBA. And by the time they did all of that, um, it's, it's a lot of people who have still not heard what's going on. Um, so that was that was a matter of speed with your local branch and getting it to whoever they needed to get it to and underwriting and what have you, and then get it back to the uh, SBA. Uh, so there are, unfortunately, we have learned before the pandemic that not all administrations are created equal in how they do day-to-day uh, -day operations. And so you know, there are some there are some chinks in the armor, so to speak, and how they process things. So as long as you keep keep a tab, I would check in with my with my bank and let them try to give you some guidance on what they're seeing, because they have the system that's linked to the SBA. Yeah. And, and look, I'm starting some stuff today. So we got some questions coming in. What's Nilly's in the house? What's up, Nilly? And uh, let me pop this one up, Charles. I'm going to let you dive into this one. This is a two-part question uh, from Iris. It says, but if the purpose of these loans wasn't fit for, for large businesses, why were they approved by the SBA in the first place? And then she follows that up and says, and then why would the same government dial it back? Well, he, Leslie gave you his theory. I'm just going to give you mine. Um, you have... And Neely will know this because Neely is an old political operator. You have benefactors, you have kingmakers, and then you got people you have to settle up with. Uh, so you have to watch the flow of money in government. Uh, a lot of times uh, when you hear the larger general press statement, that is 
the ideal environment of what should happen if everything is done properly. Uh, unfortunately, everything was not done properly. In fact, uh, when you have, you know, turf wars between intergovernmental agencies and that slows down the process as to who's actually going to take care of what. Um, and then you have issues with proper oversight from the congressional body. Uh, you know, that is a huge problem. Now, I'm not going to say <clears throat> on a live that certain benefactors got taken care of uh, because they were given the playbook. But what I will say is, if you look at the sums of money and what the program was intended for, you get right back to what Leslie is talking about. <clears throat> Loopholes, carve-outs, special interest. Uh, and that means somebody had a lobbyist on payroll. Somebody made good good uh, decisions in who they donated to and who they backed. And they got a little bit more favorable outcomes. So I'm not going to say that's what happened. That's just my theory. So happy Friday on theories, Leslie. I have one, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put this on the board, and then we're gonna come to Neely's uh, uh, coming in here uh, to back it up. So I got the question also from Iris. Then why would Harvard say they would not return their loan because it's uh, it's not for them; it's for the students. So let me just kind of put this up. Uh, this is an article that was in the Daily. Uh, uh, this, it actually hit. The, this is in the UK's paper, but it was in some of the uh, US outlets as well. Let me just put this up um, real quick. So when you look at this, a uh, couple of things. It says uh, Donald Trump obviously late on Tuesday demanded that Harvard give back the 8.6 million grant they mm -hmm. received as part of the 2.3 stimulus package. The president of Harvard tweeted that the Ivy League school defied his earlier order saying it plans to keep an $8.6 million grant it received as part of an educational relief program, despite having an eye-watering $40.9 billion dollar endowment. So uh, that is what she is referring to. Thoughts on that? Sure. You don't get to a 40.9 billion dollar endowment by sending back 8 million. It's simple. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's addition and subtraction. I mean, it's true, but I don't know that they broke the rules. Well, and I, and I think that's what they're saying. And they're saying that essentially that it wasn't for the school itself, that it was for the students. Now, I mean, I think they're going to have to do a great marketing job to sell that one in terms of goodwill. Um, but that's what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, um, when you start looking at someone's endowment versus what they were uh, provided in a relief, formula um that falls back on the people who actually wrote the the language that doesn't fall on the university i mean the university is going to uh follow the rules and apply based off of what's in the application packet it's too late it's too late to cry about it once you cut them a check that's true well, this, this goes to some, and Nilla's coming I'm about to put up is something we talked about earlier in the week, and I think it's spot on. So let me, why don't you take this one, child? Okay. Can you see it? 
Yeah, I see it. I serve as a board chair of a local nonprofit. We got ours. I own a small business. We missed out in the first wave. The key difference, one bank was a go-getter. The other bank was too slow. Your bank and your bank relationship matters. Okay. Very good point, Neely. Leslie and I had a, a conversation on Monday because uh, some of the information I relayed to him is centered directly on that point. And thank you for that. A lot of times you've heard the saying, the early bird gets the worm. That applies in not only you getting your paperwork, your background information together and filing your application in a timely fashion, your banker, your community branch, and then ultimately um, their management have to be proactive and aggressive in getting the stuff to the SBA so that they're in the queue in a timely fashion. So unfortunately, depending on who you bank with, uh, part of Leslie's theory uh, falls on the banks themselves in not being negligent, but being slowful. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to add another wrinkle to that in that the information provided to the banks was hazy to begin with because believe it or not we got some questions from the bank about how they were to administer uh the applications themselves and we were in the application pool that's you know when you start seeing that that means that there is not necessarily a good understanding which leads to slow feet and if you have slow feet uh you know when you're getting ready to go up for a jumper if you pump fake once you may be good, but if you start pumping twice, they're going to get you from behind. So, you know. No doubt. I think uh, we got a question here, a couple. I, I told you guys before I started that I was going to start some stuff, but this stuff we need to talk about. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, I have many industry friends who bank small. They receive theirs. Well, Wells Fargo was mostly a – no, Chase Bank was mostly approved. Okay. Wells Fargo was mostly a no, and Chase Bank was mostly approved. Well, I, I mean, I will say I think there are deeper implications with who you bank with and what their uh, mission statement is and how they apply that mission statement. Uh, some banks are wired in a little bit stronger than others. And then some banks have some issues that are longstanding. And, you know, that's something that you need to educate yourself on, because when it comes to who you bank with and who you trust to handle your money and your affairs, uh, that that statement speaks to uh, what is their intentionality in getting certain groups funded. So that's a larger issue. And all of that stuff, believe it or not, is in play right now because uh, the whole world, <laughs> the whole United States is going after the same pot of money for small businesses. And so who you bank with, who you communicate with and how they operate on a day-to-day -day basis is now exposed. All right, Charles, it doesn't get any easier. So here's this question. Uh, take this one. Well, I mean, we know we're not a flat earth society. We also know there are meat eaters and grass eaters. And right now, um, you know, based off of the current administration's posture, you've got to be uber aggressive uh, because they run the whole country as a business. So you have to know that that is the ethos in play. They're not playing by uh, 
you know, everybody row in the same direction um, in order to raise everyone else is who wants it bad enough, who has the connections, and who's able to achieve their goals um, sometimes in a negative fashion. But I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole with you. I will say, though, um, do what you're supposed to do, and hopefully it works out. Um, well, you, you brought up a good point there. Do what you're supposed to do. Then let me speak to, to the people that perhaps uh, don't understand what I'm saying, because here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you were a small business owner and you didn't apply or you applied three days after it came out, that you should be some you should be feeling the same way. No, I'm not. Because you gotta you gotta own that responsibility too. And you do have to be aggressive about going after it. I'm talking to people that were in that day one pool soon it was released. And let's and let's be honest, some some the smaller banks as a whole um did just outperform the big banks in this one on the first round. They just did. And and the reality was um they had the systems in place. The systems didn't crash. You were able to get the loan. They were able to get it over to the SBA faster. And as a result, they were able to get people funded earlier in the process, which is yeah. to this point. Look, and, 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 and I'm just saying that if you didn't do your part, though, and even apply, I mean, I talked to somebody today, they still haven't applied yet. They're like, well, I'm going to wait for the second round. I said, wait. <laughs> you yeah. gotta wait. The problem, no. the problem with waiting, though, is there are people who applied in the first round that didn't get funded, and they are in the queue waiting. Right. So you don't just jump to the, to the front of the line because you decide to put in on the second wave. Right. So those are good questions. Um, you know, switching, switching gears a little bit, we, um, you know, it is Friday, and we always like to talk about relevant topics. Now, here's the thing. I think the thing that I've been kind of watching and I, and I really got a heart for all the small business owners out there because here's the other thing I've seen, right? So we got big businesses, billion dollar businesses laying off people left and right, furloughing mm -hmm. people left and right. However, it's the smaller businesses that's doing more for their employees and staff at a time and being more giving of themselves as a whole than what I've seen in the big business industry, just from what I've seen. Um, I'd love to see what you, what you guys' perception of that from what you've seen and what you've observed. Uh, do you see it that way? So I always tell people, you know, everybody always knock on the small business, but sometimes big is not always better. Just a thought. Big is not always better, and I would take it one step further. What is the why for why you're in business in the first place? Because you know, nobody nobody was prepared for a slow response to a worldwide pandemic. Right. But when your when your why is strong, you don't question whether or not your employees bring value. Mm -hmm. When your why is right, you do what's necessary to serve your needs of a bottom line economically with the larger, greater good of knowing that if you take care of those families that have provided you that economic uh, windfall. If you take care of them in times of hardship, they'll take care of you uh, when the harvest is plentiful. And so that goes to a larger, a larger uh, point of small businesses by and large are family. You know, um, 
your employees, you're connected to the community. And that's not that's not a knock on big business because you have big businesses that are doing good uh, within their communities and they do it at, at scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it does indicate is if you are a new business owner or um, an experienced business owner, this is a great time for you to examine your why. I think it's important because we will come out of this and come through this. And what I, what I tell everybody, there's two types of leadership. There's transactional and there's transformational. What you want to be in these times is transformational. Because if you're transactional, coming out of this, all the people you've counted on, their perception of you is going to be totally different. And, 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 and the impact that on impact of that on productivity and commitment is going to change. It's going to change the outcome. It's going to eventually hit your bottom line. And, I, and, and you know, so I always tell people, you can't lead by a title. You got to, you got to lead by inspiring people and motivate. So, I mean, what, what is the end result? Can they see, have you thought about what they want to do? Do you ask a question? When was the last time you asked your staff, Hey, literally, where where do you want to be? What is it you want to do? Is it if it's outside of this interest? What is it? What is what is it that? What do you want to be in five years? What do you want to be in a year? What do you want to be in six months? Yeah, I mean that's that's a larger that's a larger question. Uh, but what about what about the basic question of decency? I mean, if you're a servant leader, you're gonna roll your sleeves up and solve the problem. Even if it costs you, yeah. So, uh, got a couple other questions. Let me pop in. So, here's uh, Neely. I'll let you take that one. I think he was responding to you, child. Oh, yeah, yeah, Neely. I, I, I 100% agree with you. I think, uh, one of the things, one of the things that we, we need to make clear, even though we're doing a little bit of a soapbox segment, um, is that end of the day the banks are in business to make money yeah some of them some of them um were not all the way up on the game and they slipped whereas other people were reading by candlelight and making the calls they needed to make to understand how they needed to position their people uh they were they were the beneficiary (laughs) i mean it's simple you need to know the rules and apply the rules in order to win the game no doubt and then uh, on this question, I'll take this one. So for the second round, how can smaller businesses better position themselves to receive the funding? Uh, simple. Number one, if you have applied already, make sure that if they've requested any additional documentation, make sure you've already responded to that. Make sure they have everything they need and that you're at the point where your stuff, your package is ready to go to SBA. That's where you should be. Or should be already transmitted to the SBA. That's where you should be. If they've asked you for something, you haven't responded, respond now. I mean, as soon as they ask you for it, get you, get you to the point where you can be in line to for your loan to get approved. Uh, that's the best thing you can do to put yourself in position. Yeah, and don't um, don't be afraid to ask your bank questions. See, this is the time when all those previous segments we did about having a relationship with your, with your bank and going in and, and uh, talking to them uh, when you don't need them so that you establish a rapport, this is when this stuff comes in handy because you can pick up the phone 
and call and get answers and apply pressure and ask those tough questions, you know? Yeah, Andy says she just, and you might be familiar with this. I wonder if it's that um, the program that Goldman Sachs is partnered with, but it says, I've just received notification that Goldman Sachs is offering a 50 million towards the PPP in NOLA and the South. I haven't seen a notification um, particularly on me, but I do know there was a press conference in Texas last week where the governor announced a fund that Goldman Sachs was behind. That was a 50 million overall fund, but it was, it, it, it's a little more to it. It was in conjunctions with uh, another um, uh, partner that was going to be uh, facilitating that. But I, I don't remember all the details specifically, so I don't want to start quoting. So definitely, yeah, read that notification. If you qualify for any of that, I mean, apply for it. Absolutely. So I do, I mean, but I do, I, I know it's real. I know it's a real thing. And I, I know yeah, I, I mean, I mean, check, check with your uh, chamber of commerce, check with your cities. Uh, there are other entities um some of the energy companies are doing specific things uh that you may apply for so now is the time to do that research and go ahead and get in the queue for those as well yeah and you know and before we end the day we're gonna raffle off of course we we were giving away a free business formation and uh we forgot to raffle that off last week so we'll do that the last part of the show here today so who knows somebody get lucky today yeah yeah. Well, I mean, we talk business. Uh, what about what about the Bayou Tigers, man? We won we won the national championship. Uh, shout out to Neely again. I see Patrick Queen is going to be a Raven. Congratulations, Neely. I know y'all put a lot of hard work into helping him make make the next step. Uh, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Joey Burrow, Jefferson, Chason. Come on, Liz. It was a good night. <laughs> well, I mean, hey. And then personal privilege. CD Lamb to the Cowboys while Jerry is calling is calling in from a spaceship. Well, we first of all, let's we talk know. about that for a second. Was it a yacht. It looked like it was a yacht. Yeah. yacht. But it looked like he was calling in from the USS Enterprise, you know. <laughs> Oh, man, that's what I thought. I thought he was on a yacht. Uh, but, man, listen, it, you know, and, and you know I'm not a Cowboys fan, even though I'm, I'm here in Dallas. But I will say this. That was a good draft pick. C.D. Lamb. You got Mark Cooper on one side and C.D. Lamb on the other. Yeah. And yeah. then you still got Michael Gallup. Yeah. Uh, it's going to get interesting. You got to have some firepower. Kansas City set the standard. You need speed. You need speed, and you need a little bit more speed. True. I mean, no doubt about it. So uh, let me see. We got another question here from Cherie Jordan. Take this one, Charles. Having a relationship makes a big difference. My loan officer reached out to me to see if I was interested in the PPP and sent the application. I had already applied, but I appreciated the gesture. Miss Jordan, that is very good. That that lines up very good with the point that I was making. When you establish those relationships on uh good days when you don't need anything, uh, you know, and you 
make that avenue open for communication, um, you get more dialogue. Uh, you know, you want to build your network and part of your network, if you're in business, needs to be a solid relationship with your banking enterprise. And not just not just making deposits, but as Leslie would tell you, I know everybody in the bank by name. I know what they got going on in their life. That's because I take the time to talk to them and not that you have to do it that exact way. But make sure you at least have um, your loan officer on your team. Right. That's a good point. Uh, let me see. We have, here we go. <laughs> All right. I can't really comment on that. <laughs> um, you know, I love Mike. I love the Bulls. You know, that was my team growing up. I forgot to show you the first part of that question, my bad. I just yeah. showed you the last part, but that's the first part. Yeah, yeah, that was my team, but I will be honest with you. Um, losing Kobe, I've been kind of taking a break from basketball. So um, I'll just keep it real with you. I, I'll go back and watch it at some point, but I've been focusing on other stuff because that's still fresh on me. And, uh, you know, you know how I felt. Everybody, everybody know how I felt about Kobe being Brian. He was part of my family, you know. So, no slight to Scotty and 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 uh, Mike, you know. But the Bean is is where I'm at right now. Until I put that to rest, finally, uh, I'm kind of taking a break. Well, <laughs> well, you know, look, that's saying a lot for you. I mean, you know. Basketball was kind of your, that was your thing. So that's saying a lot for you. Oh, it's still my thing, but you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, you may not even know a person, but they may have a profound effect on you. And, uh, you know, his his approach to, to life and basketball is very, very instrumental into how uh, I taught the game of basketball. And so, you know, just just working within that construct. Well, you know, look, I got to say, the possibility of, of not having or, or having a shortened football season is a little bit depressing for me because, you know, that's my game. And so, but at the same time, I'm all about being safe. So they're going to have to flashback. I'm just going to have to watch old replays of the Steelers and, you know, all of you know, our rings. And, yeah, well, and you can always go back and watch the Super Bowl with the Cowboys uh, put – Put a tire on you. That was in '95. And yeah, I remember that was in '95, and that was in Phoenix. That's okay. I mean, yeah, I, I remember that one. Yeah, it's still good to watch. I remember how upset you were when the Cowboys beat you. Yeah, but I do remember we still have more rings than you do. So we're, we're, we're doing all right. And we're going to get another one this year. So we'll be all right. Yeah. Oh, you know, every year is Super Bowl or bust for us, you know. <laughs> But y'all been doing a lot of busting then, y'all. That's all right. We are a proud organization with a lot of young talent. So we will be in the mix. Whenever they kick it off, we'll be right there. All right. Well, that's our time. And I do want to announce the winner. I'm putting it in the chat of the free business formation. That was Miss uh, Taylor. The Meso Taylor is the winner. So I will be reaching out to them.
to do their free business formation where we set up their company and all necessary paperwork for them. So guys, we'll be having other sweepstakes coming. So stay tuned on our website. If you haven't liked our Facebook page, make sure you do that at Urban Law PLLC so that we can, you'll get notified of all the uh, freebies and the contests that are going on. Yeah. So Charles, I mean, you got anything else before we go? Yeah. I mean, just reminding people, even though we're in the pandemic, our phones have still been ringing. We're still working. Uh, we're still available for video chats. We're still available to do whatever you need done. Give us a call, 601-340-6800. Be safe. Enjoy your family. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to a virtual birthday party with the happy hour included sometime tonight. So happy birthday to Marsha Kelly Peters. Absolutely. And that's why I just got the eye. Wrap it up, bro, because you got to get ready for the pate. So I got to do my thing on that. Is there a drill code? Uh, I mean, or can I just come as I am? Come as you are, man. Come as you okay. are. All right, because I haven't had a, I haven't, for those of you who know me, you know my hair grows really fast, so I got that Douglas look going. Uh, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good on you, brother. All right, all right. Well, everybody be safe, enjoy your families, and let's have a productive week. All right, bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And remember, if you have an idea, a thought, a goal, and just don't know how to get started, hit us up at chatwithless.com and schedule a time that works for you. And we'll figure it out together.